0: Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul. You're on your own. The crow flies straight.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Uh, Ready for a big show tonight, everyone. The NFL draft is complete, and we're about to bring on Mr. Jonathan Miklos and Trey Patterson just very shortly, but again, happy Mother's Day to all mothers out there, and if you haven't called your mother, you didn't get a chance to see your mother, you better make sure you get in contact with her. I don't know anybody worth anything that doesn't talk to their mother, so... Just wanted to throw that out there. And tonight's show, you know, there's a lot going on in sports. But really what we want to focus on tonight for about an hour or so is the NFL draft. It's finally come. It's finally gone. Trey, hope all's well with you, buddy. How did you like the draft this time?
2: Hey, man, it was all good, all good. I really enjoyed it.
1: good, man. Bring on Jonathan as well. Jonathan, I mean, this draft did not disappoint, did it?
3: Um, maybe it didn't disappoint you guys, but I'm pretty disappointed in the way my team drafted.
1: Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't very happy with Tampa Bay and you know Carolina. We'll talk about them all in a little while. Didn't do as well as I was hoping. As many wide receivers as out there in this draft, they get like one of them. Come on, I mean you cut your whole entire staff, but. You know, I mean, a lot of excitement in the first round. This was the highest-rated NFL draft in history. I mean, this was mm-hmm. amazing. And, Jonathan, it was because Johnny Manziel dropped to late in the first round. Everybody was hoping he'd go to Dallas, or, or, or did they hope he would go to Dallas?
3: I, I bet, you know, it, it was amazing how as soon as Dallas got on the clock, everybody seemed to flip on ESPN. Everybody seemed to flip on NFL Network, everybody's sitting there going, are they going to take him? Are they actually going to take him? I mean, it created great drama. And then when they passed on him for the smart pick, I mean, everybody's just kind of scratching their head going, what did Dallas just do? And then Cleveland trades up and gets I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, nobody tuned in to see Clowney get picked number one overall. Everybody tuned in to see where Manziel would go and – that was a spectacle and a half. I, it was awesome, and Manziel handled it like a like a professional. Let's, let's give him credit for that. A lot of other quarterbacks that were in his shoes kind of had little meltdowns, aka uh, Geno Smith and Brady Quinn. You mean AJ had
1: a had a meltdown?
2: Oh gosh, Trey, 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 did AJ have
1: a meltdown? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think A.J. McCarron had a meltdown. I, I think we saw a lot about his character that came out with some of the stuff of the draft. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we all worried about it. You know, we, we I posted an article about it a few weeks ago. You know, he came out and, and told Paul Feinbaum and did an interview and said that several owners said he would be going in the first round. They were targeting him maybe early second would be the latest he'd go. And, man, you know, Catherine Webb look on her face looked like Jonathan. She may have made a mistake not picking down You know,
3: you may be right. I mean, because, you know, that's so we did the night of the first round. Sonny kept saying, watch, watch out, that girl might leave Johnny. And it's like, I don't know you talking about. I think every girl's going after Johnny and leaving AJ and Murray and Mettenberger.
1: Well, well, guys, I was watching that first round, Trey, and, and you know, the, the surprise to me was Blake Portals going number three to Jacksonville. I don't know why Jacksonville can never pick a quarterback or ever get this right, but, but you know what, Trey, I think they dropped the ball again. I think this is another bust waiting to happen.
2: Well, I guess, you know, I agree and disagree. I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft who is up in the first round who isn't going to bust. Uh, I don't think Manziel, Bridgewater, or Bortles are going to be a a 10-year starter in this league. I think we'll see all of them for about three to four years, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. This was probably the worst draft for quarterbacks, Jonathan. And when you look at it, I mean, I just don't think Bortles, I think they could have traded down if they wanted to do this Jacksonville and kind of get more draft picks. But, But as the draft went on, I mean, You know, one thing that opened my eyes, I've read about it, I knew it, but how bad running backs are devalued in the NFL now? I mean, what was it, second round, mid, late second round before a running back was even taken? And and I'm just wondering, will it ever be the same again? I mean, will will kids be wanting to play running back in high school and college now because once they get to the NFL, I mean, they're really not worth anything anymore.
3: Well yeah running is still a glamor position let's let's not try and uh mix that up and, and ding that down. you know people still pay attention to running backs you know when you turn on a game, everybody wants to look at the running back you know the the Reggie bushes, no marinos look at guys who had really big years last year, guys who had really big games at times when it mattered uh people you know kids are still going to be running backs. <laughs>
4: I, and, and it's odd. It's, it
3: really is. A, I mean, it's, that's a great question because it seems like these these graduating classes after me or, or right around me and unfortunately at the same time as me, you know, almost instant gratification kind of a thing. They need it now. They all want to be the for number one pick. And you have to realize that only one kid out of, you know, 3,000 gets to be the number one pick in a given year. So running backs, just need to sit back and be happy, know that they're going to get paid attention. They're going to get their endorsements. They're going to get all of that. You know, and, and you know, last year we saw running backs running for 1,400-plus yards. It's not like the position's been devalued. It's just that I think there's so many good running backs out there that the, you know you can get one later because there's just so many of them that have come out and done wondrous things. I mean, when's the last time a first-round pick running back really came out and shown outside of adrian peterson and you know don't even say Doug martin who's the one hit wonder so far
1: yeah and and, and trey i think the running backs are going to have to earn their money you know later in their in their their life of of their playing really the first three years they're going to have to prove themselves and if they want to get paid they're going to have to to really perform in those first three years do you agree
2: well, yeah, and I disagree with Jonathan. I think they are devalued. I mean, there are two of these systems that are using two quarterback, excuse me, two running back systems, and so uh, we talk about the value in the first round. Why would you take a guy who is going to split carries? Uh, and I think the value has gone toward receivers. I mean, look at look at the number of receivers who have gone in the last couple of years in the first round compared to the running backs. It, it has been a trend toward receivers. So. I think the passing game, you know, where guys are throwing 50 times a game, you know, even average quarterback. Um, I mean, sometimes that last year, Blaine Gabbert was throwing the ball up around 40 times. And so whenever we give offenses like that, the running back position is less important. Uh, and I think that's why you're seeing backs go in the second round, third round, and you're seeing a lot of value, you know, from backs later on in the draft just because um, with the first-round pick, you got to protect your passing lanes and your, your, your tackles.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Trey. And and you know you know looking at this draft, um, Jonathan, were you surprised with Sammy Watkins Buffalo pulling the trigger early on Sammy Watkins? How's he going to play in the snow?
3: Well, I, I honestly think that Buffalo dropped the ball. I think it was a stupid pick, and not from the standpoint that I think Sammy Watkins is a bust. I think Sammy Watkins is going to be a very, very, very good football player, especially an NFL player. Um, He can definitely play that position. Buffalo's biggest problem, though, wasn't the receivers last year. It was the fact that they couldn't keep E.J. Manuel and Thad Lewis upright. Their offensive line was atrocious, so I thought by trading up, they were going after Jake Matthews, uh, maybe to help, I don't know, protect the quarterback so he has time to throw the football. Um, You know, know, Sammy Watkins, nothing against him, but I just see this pick, in about three or four years, we're calling him a bust. When in all reality, he's not a bust. That, that's just Buffalo being Buffalo.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I cringe when I see these bad teams like Cleveland, Jacksonville, Buffalo take these studs in the first round because you know there's a good possibility these guys won't pan out. It's not like you said. It's not because of uh, them as individual players. It's because of the, the piss-poor management it's because of the system. And some franchises are just losers, Jonathan. That's, that's all there is to it. Cleveland, Buffalo, I don't care how many times they made the Super Bowl, they still lost. Buffalo hasn't been relevant in a very long time. And I, I just hate it for, for great players to have to go to these sucky teams. Clowney got lucky, Jonathan, that that Houston just had an anomaly. It was just a bad year. 2-14 uh, team, they're not. They have talent. Clowney, how lucky is he, Jonathan, that, that he got to go to Houston instead of somewhere like Jackson?
3: Oh yeah, no, Clowney and and Jake Matthews uh, really need to be, you know, thanking their lucky stars that he wound up in uh in Houston and Atlanta because in all reality, you and I both know that the seasons they had are outliers. They're they're like you said, anomalies. You know. We're talking about twelve 13, 14 win teams all of a sudden have a terrible year. And because of the injuries and it can you know uh, it really was a lot of with injuries. Houston just had inconsistent play at the quarterback position, which we were all kind of waiting for. But, you know, it's amazing how those guys are sitting there pulling the whole uh, Deion Sanders move when he got drafted, they going, please don't let me get drafted by Detroit. Please don't let me get drafted by Buffalo. And At the end of the day, that's really what it was with those guys.
1: Well, I, I don't know how long you can stay with us, Jonathan, but while you're here, I want to go ahead and get on this topic before we go through and start looking at the draft as a whole. Uh, Trey, Michael Sam drafted seventh round. I honestly didn't think, looking at it, he was going to get drafted once the sixth round came and went, and now the seventh was coming. Nobody wanted to touch Michael Sam, Trey. Give us your thought.
2: Well, I think actually it's, it's a good value. I mean, yeah, think about it. How often have we taught, have we downgraded the, play, the co-player of the year on the defensive side of the ball in the SEC? I mean, generally speaking, that player – uh, you know, come out players of the year in the SEC and the defensive side of the ball have been very decent in the NFL. So I'm gonna take a flyer on a guy like that. I don't care what his orientation is, just because I mean, defensive players who do well in the SEC have done well in their pros. I mean, so I'd take a flyer on him in the seventh round just for that alone. Well well
1: Jonathan, that's a that's one issue. I I think a lot of I think the NFL spoke up really. I think the players met with the GMs, the coaches, and they all came together, and, and they honestly said they didn't want Michael Sam in the locker room. What do you think about St. Louis taking him, and do you think he's going to stay on this team?
3: Well, I thought it was an interesting take by St. Louis because they have Quinn and they have Long. So they already have two defensive uh, ends who are fantastic. You know, Quinn had, what, 19 and a half sacks. Uh, Sheeter Long had double digits once again. So you have a strong leadership there already at your defensive line position. Not only that, but it's, he's not that far from home now. You know, he just goes from, his, you know, right over to St. Louis, to Springfield. I mean, Columbia. Um, and I saw in all reality. It's a great value pick. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't even think, I don't know if Sanderson spoke up because Michael Sanchez still got drafted ahead of guys like Luchez, Profoy. Marcus Roberson, Christian Jones, Max Bullo, Antonio Richardson, guys that we thought, you know, had a chance of being, you know, first, second, third, fourth round picks. So um, it, it, I think the way the draft really shook out on day three was just strange because a lot of guys that weren't on any of our radars all of a sudden were getting picked, and you kind of scratch your head and going, well, what, what, about, what about this guy from Tennessee? What about this guy from Michigan State? guys These guys were studs in college. Their game can translate. What's going on here? How come this guy from Townsend and Tennessee State is getting drafted over him? And, and, you know, I just I think Michael Sam can stay on this team. I think he can make this team as defensive end as a backup. He'll learn a lot. He'll grow as a player in this organization because whatever they're doing with with that defensive line is clearly working. And now he has Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, Robert Quinn, and Chris Long all in front of him. If Michael Sam sees the field at all this year, you almost guarantee he's going to get a chance to get a sack. Uh,
1: I, I don't. I think what happened was the NFL was forced to take him almost, and and which team could take him and cut him and actually justify doing it. And I, I think St. Louis is a team that's so deep on defense that that they could easily say. You know, hey, you're just not good enough to make this squad. We we gave you a shot. You're not good enough. And, and I think that's the way they're going to keep the heat off the NFL, Trey, because if you look at it, I think the NFL spoke up about Michael Sam here. You got your answer. Are the players comfortable playing with a guy that just came out? And the answer is no. This this move by St. Louis, Trey, is smoke and mirrors. He's never going to see the field in the NFL.
2: No, I, I completely disagree with you there, <laughs> There's no conspiracy. There's been tons of openly gay players in the locker room that the media just didn't report. That was an openly gay hey. football, one of the major coordinators. Hey. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to name names myself. But he, I mean, heck, even Colin Calhart and, and, uh, and you know, all the ESPN guys have been talking about it this week. Uh, guys in the locker room, I mean, one of them, the linemen for Miami this past year, if you look at their report, uh, was gay, and they were talking about some of that in the uh, the Richie Incognito story, so it's not as if the players haven't known, they have been gay players I mean, that's, that's a, a sort of absurd uh, That's think the first time I've heard about that
3: Didn't well, the Green mean, Bay Packers have a fullback or like an offensive lineman who was uh, Hawaiian and, and was gay and kind of didn't go to the media about it but everybody knew? I mean, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Can't remember his name, though
2: Yeah, there's been multiple stories that if if you really look for them, they're out there. The media didn't report a lot of this because it wasn't an issue in a lot of places. Obviously, you know Michael Sam came out and made it a a media thing, so that's why everybody's talking about it. But there's certainly been gay players in the NFL, uh, and they've been known about it in their own locker rooms. Uh, That's that's been known about for. I mean, talked to a lot of reporters uh, that they've done stories about that kind of stuff. So I think Sam will have a shot at this team because you got to think about Greg Williams is coming back this year. Uh, and what does Michael Sam do really well? He's a good blitzer. Uh, and what does Greg Williams like to do? He likes to blitz off the ends and, and take those defensive ends or slash linebackers and stand them up and blitz. So I think he'll have a shot. Uh, do I think he'll play a lot? No, I don't think he's going to play a lot. They're well, Trey, he Trey, Trey went in the
1: seventh round. This is a, a third-round at least guy. I mean, that's how good he is. Do you, do you not think that the other teams had a problem with him coming
2: out? No, I, I don't think – I think people had. Yeah, there, there are people who are bigots and racists all over the place. I mean, I think the people uh, and, and teams may have. Do so I think the NFL or teams in general had a concerted effort? No. No, I, I think there are some owners who may have said um, – yeah there may be some owners out there who didn't want it. I mean, that's, I mean heck, we've seen from Donald Sterling that owners aren't perfect and have their own racism and bigot- bigotry going on. So who knows what the NFL owners were saying.
1: Um, All I'm saying I, I would, is, if if he was going to be drafted, if he was good, I mean, if it, I mean, if you look at Michael Samalone as a player, what he's done on the field, his accolades, he'd have been a third round at least guy. He's in the seventh round. It means every team, every team, thirty one of them besides St. Louis, did was not going to take him. That's a known fact now. And it, and well, if, and well, if it was and just rated on he the wasn't
2: talent, time, with a, would have been a draft, Harvard. I mean. Marcus Roberson, Christian Jones. I mean, like Jonathan said, a lot of really high-value uh, five-star prospects in college didn't get drafted, but they all signed the next day uh, with teams. I mean, so to be honest, drafted or not drafted, he was going to make a roster at least have a shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: think to that, but I mean, the thing is, they're going to they're going to end up cutting him. But well, one thing I didn't like was ESPN at the end of it just coming in and just making that the story of the day. I mean, Michael Sam's a football player. All that should be talked about is his ability to play football regardless. He shouldn't have come out at that time and and opened up like that right before the draft. That's his fault. It's it's just this world we live in today. I mean, people aren't going to accept it. Everybody's not going to accept it. I'll put it that way. Some will, some won't. But if he never came out, he never said anything, Trey. Michael Sam would have been at least a third-round draft choice. And, 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 and I want to say something else about these guys coming out of college early, Trey. It's like it seems to me they're getting a lot of bad information from their agents or from some people. You know, a lot of these kids could have stayed another year, and now they're probably not even going to make a squad. They just pissed away a year of eligibility in college to increase their draft stock.
2: What do you think about,
1: about that, actually?
2: Well, I think that's the more legitimate story out of here. I mean, you're talking about 119 guys or so, give or take, who declared to the NFL draft early underclassmen, and I think 36 weren't drafted Carbon, so I was like, that's a huge percentage, and so I think at some point, um, and you've, t- you've heard some of the coaches talk about this this past year, that some of these guys are making decisions to come out, to sort of start this fight, this this rookie clock, um, but it doesn't help you if you don't make a team, and so I think some of these guys, and I don't know if it's the evaluation process. I mean, who knows? Maybe Adrian McCarrum was right that people were blowing smoke at him, saying it was a first-round selection. I I tend to think that's all wise, that that these guys understand when they get a fifth-round evaluation.
0: Yeah,
1: Jonathan, I mean, a lot of these kids could have come back. And and what do you think about Trey Mason being a third-round pick for the Rams and having an opportunity to come back to Auburn for his last year, could he have improved his stock any? Because I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Being a running back, I'm going to say Trey Mason made the right decision.
3: Well, and I think that's the thing, is that running backs need to if – if the running backs are going to come out early, they need to make sure if they come out, they're going to get drafted. And that, that has been a problem. James Wilder didn't get drafted. I and mean, Did he sign uh, today with Cincinnati? Yeah. And is that all well and good? Yeah, but – I think as a running back, you have to make sure that when you come out, you get drafted. Um, If if, if there's a chance that you're not going to get drafted, if you get like a sixth or seventh round grade, then you need to come back. But for a guy like Trey Mason, I don't think there's anything more he could have done to improve his stock. Um, And that's just a fact. In all reality, Trey Mason wound up in a perfect situation. And I think St. Louis had the wonderful draft. St. Louis had an absolutely wonderful draft with their top four selection. Um, you know, and with some of these running backs, like Bishop Sankey, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde, Kadeem, I think they all wound up actually in very good situations. And that's one thing we are going to say is that there were some running backs who got drafted at very good spots for them.
1: Yeah, and if you, if you look at Trey Mason, nothing he could do to improve his height. I, I think that has something to do with it. His 40 is okay but you know all I mean the games he had against uh Alabama, Missouri, Florida State, you know games like that, there's nothing he could do to increase that performance. The only thing he could have done coming back was was actually get injured. That's it, but running backs, unless you're right. a phenomenal Adrian Peterson kind of guy, you're not going in the first round unless you can carry a team on mm-hmm. your back and I'm going to tell you the still of the draft with the running backs right now is. There's two. The guy for LSU, for some reason I'm slipping on his name, but Carlos Hyde Jeremy Ohio Hill. State. Yeah, Jeremy Hill and Carlos Hyde. Those two running backs are going to be very valuable in the NFL, Jonathan. I think both of them have great careers ahead of
3: them. Well, and if, if you, I can't remember where Jeremy Hill got selected. I apologize for that. But Carlos Hyde, he's walking into a situation where Frank Gore is at the end of his career. Um and Marcus Lattimore is just, you know, now perfectly healthy. You know, let's cross ourselves and that he never gets hurt again because I loved watching him play in college. And he never gave me a reason where I sat there and went, mm, why'd you do that or why'd you say that? You know, so Carlos Hyde stepping in a situation where he's probably going to get immediate playing time. He's going to be learning from Frank Gore, one of the best. He's going to also be able to split time between Gore and Lattimore. I think Kendall Hunter and LaMichael James are on their way out. Um, and and you know Carlos Hyde, you're right, could be an absolute steal. I mean, let's not forget, he almost averaged 10 yards a carry last season, and there were times where he just made it look easy against teams. It looked like he was walking down the field. He just looked that much superior to uh, the competition that he was going up against.
1: All right, we just lost Trey, and um, Blog Talk Radio kicked him out of the studio. So that's funny.
0: <laughs> We've been having
1: some issues with Blog Talk Radio lately. So, Trey, when you get back in, I'll I'll come back over. But, you know, running backs to me are – I look for guys, you know, with a system kind of running backs. That's what I look for. If you're New Orleans, you may want a different running back. If you're Philadelphia, you may want a different running back. If you're San Fran, Mm -hmm. you may want a different type of running back. But, man, looking at the talent in this draft at running back was amazing. And, you know, you look at running back, receiver, uh, defensive back, how deep it was. I and mean, you look at uh, quarterback, and you're like, God, ah, there's just so much left to be desired, you know, looking at the quarterbacks here. But Aaron Murray and A.J. McCarron went back to back in this draft, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. A.J., man, I, I think he's going to die in Cincinnati, honestly. I, I mean, I just don't think. How do you think he's going to do in Cincinnati if he ever gets on the field?
3: Well,. A.J.'s kind of got a nice situation that he is walking into because all the heat's on Andy Dalton. So people are kind of going to look at A.J., but there's also going to be a lot of pressure on him. But at the same time, he does get to work with Tyler Eifert, uh, Jermaine Gresham, and A.J. Green, who A.J. Green is definitely one of the best receivers in football. Not only that, but they have a very good offensive line, and they have a good stable of running backs that that they can turn to. Um, You know, it's almost kind of what he had at Alabama, where, you know, he had Amari Cooper and a great offensive line, a great stable running backs, and then, you know, tight end was kind of a position where the guys catch the ball, they weren't relied on it, but when you needed to, they could catch it. So I think definitely uh, A.J. walks walks into a situation where, um, you know, he could benefit from it. There's no doubt about it, but at the same exact time, you know, who's running that offense up there? Because if he had had Jake Rudin, that would have been great. But now since tonight has got a whole new regime. So, you know, AJ's going to be learning just alongside Andy, and it's going to be very, very, very um, interesting to see what happens in preseason with A.J. McCarron.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and you know, Kelvin Benjamin went to Carolina in the first round. You're a Florida State guy, Jonathan. Did Carolina reach too high for, for Kelvin Benjamin, or is he going to be a good fit for Cam Newton? Cam Newton hasn't had a big time playmaking receiver since he's been there. I think this is his first chance to to actually mm-hmm. do some damage with a very talented receiver.
3: Right, and Kelvin is a very, very talented receiver. I remember when, uh, when he signed with Florida State and how, uh, how excited I was, actually, when he signed. And you know me. I don't usually get all hyped up about um, high school recruits. I kind of I, I believe in a wait-and-see mentality. But Kelvin, um, Kelvin will run good routes. There's no doubt about it. And he's a great blocker. He's very physical. Um, you know, he's going, to be a, he's going to be a good run blocker in the same sense that Hines Ward was, but he's just bigger. And, you know, he, he won't get out muscled by corners. But Kelvin's biggest problem is that unless you're in the red zone or third down, he has almost mental lapses where he will drop the easy ones. I mean, we saw in last year the game. We really saw it in the Florida game. It was very frustrating to watch at times until he just broke out and got over it but I think him and Cam can really develop quick chemistry together. Um, it's just unfortunate that Steve Smith's no longer there because I think uh, having Steve would have been great for Telvin, would have been great, uh, a great learning and experience and all those kind of things. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Carolina and Steve couldn't uh, come to some sort of agreement to where he could have stayed.
1: Yeah, we are having a couple problems with the studio right now, guys. Uh, give me just a couple minutes and try to get this worked out while we're talking. Sorry if I'm all over the place right now, Jonathan. I'm trying to be a technical person as well. So so just bear with me a minute. And, and you know, one one team I think did a real good job in this draft was, was the Baltimore Ravens, you know, getting uh, Clint Mosley, the linebacker in the first round from Alabama, and then – Timmy Jernigan, defensive tackle out of Florida State. Then they go get Terrence Brooks, a safety out of Florida State in the third round. I mean, how impressed are you with Baltimore, and and what what kind of message are they sending right now?
3: Well, and I thought it was interesting because I thought Baltimore really needed a um, a receiver in the first couple rounds. They needed a Kelvin Benjamin, you know, Jordan Matthews, somebody like that. And uh, to see them go defense. Um, it, it just seems like a, a very, very Baltimore thing to do. And I have, a, I have a good friend who I talk to quite often about all, all sports, all, all, all sports. And uh, we were going over the Ravens draft, and he calls me and he goes, what can you tell me about C.J. Mosley? What can you tell me about Timmy Jernigan? What can you tell me about Terrence Brooks?" And I go, in all honesty, you really just got three really awesome players. You got, you know, a linebacker mostly Mosley. Well, Alabama fans know, most of college football fans know, this kid is a leader, He's got a nose for the ball. Very instinctive. He can, if he can avoid injuries, um, he's going to be absolutely fantastic. Timmy Jernigan, you know, a, a, and people question his his stamina. What they forget is that he actually was battling the, the flu in that national championship game. I mean, Timmy really can actually eat up an offensive line, as we saw in the Auburn game. He, he really he really did a great job. Um, you know, when he was able to stay on the field. And then Terrence Brooks, I thought was a very interesting pick because. They already have Matt Elam. Elam's kind of a center field guy. Elam's definitely a center fielder. Wants to sit back and play Ed Reed and Terrence Brooks isn't afraid to mix it up and come inside and be the fourth linebacker. So I'm really, um, I'm really, really impressed with the way Ozzy Newsom did. And I thought he was an Alabama fan, but apparently he fell in love with Florida State.
1: Yeah, and Trey, you know Alabama is a team that had a lot of players not really get drafted. I
2: mean, how how surprised are
1: are you at this?
2: Well, I mean I think the guys who didn't get drafted to me weren't a surprise. I mean there were some guys in there that I think um yeah, I think I was a little surprised they didn't go higher. Um but those were the, sort of the solid guys that we kinda of all figured were gonna get drafted, it. it was just a matter of when. Um but you know, you yeah, gotta think about it, there's been a little bit of a uh oh sorry. All right. All
1: right. Uh,
0: this is the Johnson weakest and Alabama.
3: Alabama draft class since Uh, I want to say 2007, and I don't think they had anybody drafted that season. Um, That just tells you how much talent was able to stay at Alabama.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these guys came out too early at Alabama. I mean, I think, you know, another year, I think they just make a deal. They're playing three and they're going to the NFL, and I think that's honestly what Saban expects. He doesn't want them to stay around for a senior year because that's how he recruits, Jonathan. He he gets these guys to commit because they can come right in and mm-hmm. play and maybe redshirt one year. But he promises them the NFL, and, wow, I, I don't know. It just seems like Alabama has been hitting uh, with the two losses in a row, the spring game, off the field issues, A.J. McCarron. I mean, is that is the Alabama run over with, or do we still have to contend with them because of that major recruiting class they have every year? Well,
3: I, I think Saban's a great coach, so there's always going to be somebody to keep your eye on. Alabama is going to get the talent. They have a great coach. They, they, he runs a great system. Um, and, and that's, you know, I, I honestly, you know, two, two losses in a row, and the big whoop, the team still won, what, 11 games? You know, and that's the thing we have to remember, that's, that team still won 11 games, It's still there at the very end, you know. And, that Auburn game, you know, you're talking about two great teams went at it, and it came down to I think mean, one of the most amazing finishes, if not the most amazing finish we've ever seen in college football, to end that game. That game was, seemed like it was destined for overtime, and, that, and you got to remember at one point Alabama had control of that game so their kickers decided that it mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, it, it was time to start shanking. Um, so, you know, it's 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 pretty. I think Alabama's still going to be awesome. Let's let's be honest. And I think you're right, though. I mean, there are a lot of kids. Who go to Alabama, and they are going to tell you that my goal is within three years to be out of this place. And I heard that a lot, though. I heard that from a lot of players in this draft. Was I literally got to college, went to my coach, and said, "You have me for three years. Utilize me the best way you can." And you sit there and go, "What? <laughs> Excuse me? I'm recruiting you. You signed for a four year contract. I mean, you're telling me, I, you know, I have two and a half years to utilize you before you before you leave. I mean, and." Then, as a coach, you know you can't sandbag your players. So what? What do what, what you? What are you gonna? You know? What do you do? And it's, it's interesting. I mean, Trey brought it up. I mean, how many underclassmen really? I mean, came out and you looked at it and said, why?
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, and hold on just a minute. We have a caller from the two five six area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this?
5: This is John Smith.
1: How's it going, John?
5: As much, how are you, Jarvin?
1: All doing good. What's on your mind tonight? What would you like to weigh in on? Uh, Michael Sam. What about Mr. Sam?
5: Well, um, first of all, I think um, they're making a mistake putting him in the NFL the way he'd go at it. Why, Why are they making a mistake? Because the way he is, I mean, you know, you, you could cause somebody to, you know, get sick and everything the way he's been doing all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's pretty nasty what they put on ESPN and everything, and they got to put it on TV like that. I just don't like it.
1: What do you mean they can get sick? What, what are you, what are well, you, you talking mean, about you know, getting sick? You no,
5: know, he touches boys all the time and everything, cause them to get all kinds of diseases and everything.
1: Well, well, there's a lot of uh, guys that, with women that get a lot of diseases, too.
5: I know, but some AIDS and everything they haven't found cures for and everything, I mean, it's going to be real bad. Okay, so you
1: don't think he should be in the NFL? Anything else you want to talk about? Not really. All right, well, thanks for the call. Uh, Trey, I don't know <laughs> if you're back. Frey, are you back?
2: Yeah, I'm back, buddy. All
1: right. Thoughts on John Actually, Smith's no, comments, I'm not, I'm Jonathan. Not Jonathan, what's your thoughts on John Smith's comments just called it?
3: Well, I love how uh how anonymous he planned on being with that name. Great name, by the way. Uh, nice reference to Pocahontas. But um here here's the <laughs> thing, is that you you're gonna see this, unfortunately. There's gonna be there's gonna be hate toward towards Michael Sam. I mean, you know, and, and let's not act like this is only a problem in America. This is a global thing. People act like racism only happens in America. Well, how about you go to Spain and watch a soccer game where, you know, an African player, not an African-American, an African player is playing and see them throw bananas at the players and start making monkey chants. I mean, let's, let's, let's just realize this bigotry all, all, all around the world. And, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to have this kind of reaction towards Michael Sam, and he's not going to get as fair a shake of the stick and people need to realize that the only reason why Michael Pham came out was because he was about to get outed. I mean, there's, I mean <laughs> there's, yeah. there's nothing like somebody else airing your dirty laundry for you. I mean, that's just the worst feeling in the world. So I think, um, I, think I, I, I definitely understand where, 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 you know, Mr. Smith, uh, quote-unquote, <laughs> is coming from because, you know, he's obviously uncomfortable <laughs> with the situation and we've all been uncomfortable with some sort of a situation whether it's your mother embarrassing you at a family dinner or, <laughs> or something along those lines. But I, I think that we, we just need to let Michael Sam perform, let, let him see what, how he handles the NFL spotlight and what he does with it before we judge him. Because let's remember, the, his whole college career, we never, ever heard anything about this. It wasn't until he, he was essentially coming to the league. And, you know, now did ESPN mess up, I think? Uh, yeah, when you dedicate 15% of your broadcast to a to a seventh-round pick, I think you might have dropped the ball. This wasn't like Tebow, who was a first-rounder. Manziel was a first-rounder. This is the seventh-round pick. Let's not treat him like he's a first-round pick.
1: I mean, I mean let's let ESPN, I mean, let's let Michael Sam have a moment, at least, in private. I mean, ESPN's over there filming him kissing and wouldn't wouldn't quit doing that. It's just like. I just don't get it. I just don't get why we can't make it about football instead of about some show, some soap opera. It's what they try to do. And I believe we have a caller from the 541 area code. You're on way in sports. Hello? Yes. Hello? Yeah. What, what's up? Hi,
0: it's me, Jason.
1: Hey, Jason. What's on your mind? Mr. Humphrey,
0: how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing, Jonathan?
3: Uh, doing well on this side of the woods. What are you? Um, yeah. What did you think about the Oregon players you got drafted, De'Anthony and Josh Huff?
0: I think I think D'Anthony, um, would be a good fit with Jamal Charles in the Kansas City. Josh Huff, obviously the Chip Kelly, um, the, coincide the um relationship and Teta um, defensive end. Did it get picked up by the Eagles? <laughs> we talk about the underclassmen that you guys said a while back. Terrence Mitchell was a um, for going his senior year, seventh round pick from Dallas. Have I seen any regrets not come back to Eugene? So All right, yeah. Jason.
1: Jason, what are your thoughts about Michael Sam getting drafted in the seventh
0: round? He's a football player. And if he could have played football, he'll make a team. And St. Louis like the football player. I, I don't think any of this um, with his um, sexuality, I, I don't think that's in question. Um, um, I, I think if St. Louis keeps him, it's because he's a football player. And if they cut him, it's because of a football player. I, I I don't buy into it. And in the one eye, the the other stuff. I would say.
1: All right. Well, Jason, man, anything you want to talk about tonight?
0: Um, nothing much. Uh, Portland has one more game. Um, like I guess said in my YouTube video I made the other day. Um, it's Oregon's youth. Uh, Portland's youth. I would say, against San Antonio, Tony Parker is found of a to of youth, I guess. And I think San Antonio might walk through Oklahoma City of L.A., um, whoever they face. Because I think they're on a mission. So, yeah. As well, call back,
1: call back and discuss the basketball. Uh, the, after the Wednesday night, we'll do a show. We can call in. We'll talk about the Portland Trailblazers. But thanks for calling in, Jason and Jonathan. I think the reason Tony Parker founded the Fountain of Youth, he's single again.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, that's 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 a very very very, uh,
3: um, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's a coincidence that <laughs> that that he's single, and he's playing better. But I, I honestly, San Antonio's got a perfect system. They're a well-run organization. And, you know, Jason, Portland has some very phenomenal players, and Damian Litter and, and, and LaMarcus Aldridge. I think uh, they're going to be a contender in the West for, for a long time, and you guys are finally going to have that chance to uh, uh, get, another, uh, get another ring within these next five years.
1: Yeah, well, let's get back to the NFL draft. Trey um, tell me a team that that stood out to you in this draft,
2: whether it be good or bad. Well, I think good. I mean, I really liked what the Rams did. I, I always want the Rams a lot, but I mean, um, I I didn't like the you know you know me and Aaron Donald. I don't think Aaron Donald was that great. Um, he didn't play that well against good competition uh, this past year. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong on him. But I really liked what they did with the rest of their draft. I thought they had a lot of value in a lot of places. Almost every round, I thought they picked up somebody who was um, basically sort of under the radar or, or, you know, they they get good value for them. So I like what the Rams did, Carbon. The, you know, the Browns get a lot of accolades, but I for the life of me couldn't figure out why they didn't pick up a receiver once we all knew that Josh Gordon may be out for the year for a suspension. Um, You know, you look at, and then also they have, uh, you know, I think what Nate Burleson got hurt in OTAs. So, you know, you look at the Browns, and you're like, okay, well, some of the drafting was was pretty good. But if you knew that you were going to lose Josh Gordon, why on the why in the world wouldn't you call and pick up a receiver at some point in a deep receiver draft?
1: Jonathan, looking at the Dallas Cowboys, how do you, how do you think they did in their draft? They they didn't fall for the bait of getting Johnny Manziel. They picked Zach Martin, the tackle out of Notre Dame. How do you think they fared with a bad defense last year trying to upgrade?
3: I actually think the Cowboys need some good steps forward. Um, I thought that, you know, this is the second year in a row they drafted offensive lineman in the first round, and last year we all kind of snickered when they drafted Travis Fedrick number one because he was the center. Um, and, and, you know, I, honestly, that, that turned out to be a great pick. He had a fantastic year, and I think Zach Martin's going to be a very good NFL player for a long time. What Dallas did was gave Romo a boost of confidence and say, look, we're going to protect you. Um, and they need to do that. They haven't been doing that very well. Um, you know, I thought in the second round when they traded up for DeMarcus Lawrence, I kind of questioned it a little bit. But all in, all in all, you know, I'm looking at the Cowboys and saying they're making, I think, good steps forward. They're not falling for the hype guys. They're not looking for, uh, you know, they're not falling for those big names, those guys that kind of just draw their attention just because of uh, their popularity in college, which is a big step forward in this whole process because it always seems like the Cowboys always seem to fall for these guys that are all name and no production.
1: Trey, looking at the 49ers, I mean, man, they had a ton of draft picks in this one. They they had three third-rounders, two fourth-rounders, a two-fifth, a sixth, and two-seventh. How do you think the Niners did?
2: Well, the Niners had I had a pretty darn good draft. I mean, I, you look at them, and I mean, it's almost you know from top to bottom, all their picks you see value, or they were they were really stressing need. You know, round one, I really liked Jimmy Ward, a nice hard hitting safety. They got who I thought was the best back in the draft after what four or five went in round two, and Carlos Hyde. Uh, you know, and the pick of Carlos Hyde sort of made me wonder about Marcus Lattimore who from last year his his maturation, but they've taken it back like I think four years in a row. I love the Bruce Ellington out of South Carolina in round four. Um thought that was a great pick up and then I mean just all around Tarvin. I thought they had some good Brandon Thomas round three as well. I mean, just some good picks. Well, Trey,
1: looking at the Carolina Panthers, they didn't have many picks, it seemed like. I mean, they won, two, three, four, five, six, but they didn't have a seventh round. How do you think they did? They they got their receiver, what they needed in round one. I personally think they needed another receiver, but looking at this, this class, what
2: do you think? Well, I wasn't as big in their second pick, Tony, uh, Tony Ely out of Missouri. Um, you know, I like that one. Bad pick. And then uh, Tyler Gaffney in round six. I mean, uh, Gaffney is sort of a slow bruiser, but I don't know if he's going to have any success in the NFL. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. There, other than Benjamin, which I thought was a solid pick, the rest of the draft, the me, uh, was a lot of ho-hum, um, I guess. Hey,
1: I'm not blown away. I'm, I'm not blown away. But, but I'll tell you one thing about a team that, that I think did well. And, and tell me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. The New Orleans Saints, they got their receiver round one, and they even got Benny Sanceri in the fifth round out of Alabama. And then they, in the fifth round, they got Ronald Powell from Florida. I mean, this team did pretty good to get what they needed right now. They even got a corner from the back, Nebraska in the second round that I was impressed with.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm very impressed with the Saints draft, which I hate saying. Uh, as you know, me being a Bucks fan. But you're right, I mean, they went ahead and, and, and addressed really all their needs. I mean, they did a fantastic job with their draft. I think the theory is a huge steal on the fifth round. I loved him in college. You know, Stanley Jean Baptiste was another, you know, great pick, the Colt big athletic corner out of Nebraska. They, they really did had a, a really solid draft. I was really impressed with what the Saints did, and, and you know, that's, that's unfortunate for, uh, for my second years.
1: Second years, huh?
3: Yeah. Right.
1: Now our our draft, I'm not happy with. Well, I mean, you know, Tampa they got one good pick at least. Uh, <laughs> going going through this one though, trade them. The New England Patriots. Are you surprised they didn't trade Brian Mallett to Houston? But I look at their draft class. I mean, all the guys they got. I mean, it doesn't blow me away. But I mean, I think they have a solid you know, amount of picks they had. They had a ton of fourth-round picks, three, six-round picks. I mean, I mean, they had a lot of later-round picks. How did they do in the draft later?
2: I, I thought the Patriots did pretty well. I mean, Garoppolo, I think, in the, could end up being a brave successor. I don't think Mallett's going to be that guy. you got, you got a Remington award-winning guy in your fourth-round pick, which is pretty good. Uh, that's the kind of guy the Patriots end up putting into the Pro Bowl year in and year out. I thought Easley mm-hmm. out of Florida at late first round was pretty good as well. So, you know, I mean, some of the later later picks are going to be boomer bust. I mean, Jeremy Gallon in the seventh round, I mean, who knows, like I ever sees the NFL. Um, but he could be okay. So, I mean, I, I thought the Patriots did all right, Harvin. But the team in that, that division that I thought sunk it up was the Miami Dolphins, so I thought I had a really bad
0: draft.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a bad draft, and then they had some players. A couple of players go on Twitter and actually put their foot in their mouth. One one person I did like Miami got are two people. I like Jarvis Landry, but I also love Arthur Lynch, the tight end Trey out of Georgia. So I think if they could utilize him correct, I mean, he's going to be a valuable weapon in that offense. He's a B. Yeah,
2: I mean, he might be, um, but still, but their whole draft sort of made me really question what they were doing at times. I like... I'll tell you what, I like the Pittsburgh draft as well. I think Dry Archer in the, in the third round is going to be a guy who can change. I mean, Steven Tru- Truett, Notre Dame, Shazier, Ohio State, Martevis um, Bryant for Clemson in the fourth round. I mean, man, they had a really stacked draft. The, the, the Steelers did as well. Yeah, but I'll Pittsburgh also dropped the ball in the secondary. Well, I mean, they got Shaq Richardson in the fifth round, which isn't great, but, you know, they could have addressed it better.
1: Jonathan, I like the Jets' draft this year, but you know, one thing I like Taj Boyd uh, in the sixth round. I mean, I think they need another quarterback that can come in there and push Geno Smith and Michael Vick. But do you think Taj Boyd's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder? I think he has a chance to to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Not great, but a good quarterback.
3: Well, how how ridiculous do South Carolina fans feel right about now? sitting there, Connor saw, Connor saw, and Taz Boyd gets drafted. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I think Taz Boyd's going to come in with the chip on his shoulder. And it's interesting if you read the scouting reports on him because you know, everybody keeps saying the same thing. He's built like a running back, yet he can, he can throw the ball um, down the field. He can kind of make most of the throws. His accuracy needs some improvement. You know, I'm interested to see um, if Boyd actually does. Make that push and push Vic and push uh, Gino, but I mean I think the Jets, all in all, did a um, did, did a good job and, and and we said that last year though when some of their picks uh, had a had a rough learning curve, so you know let, let, and I definitely want to see how the Jets look and, uh, you know not this year but next year and see how everything mesh, uh, this meshes together.
1: Well, Trey, I look at the Houston Texans in this draft. You know, they got clowny. We all knew that was coming. But looking at their, their other players, all their picks, I yeah, I think Houston did a good job in this draft. For a team that is really a playoff team, I think they'd load it up.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, here's the problem with Houston. They still don't have a quarterback. I mean, we're still not, I mean, Tom Savage, okay, in the fourth round. <laughs> I'm not so sure that he's, I mean, the guy hasn't played what, I mean, one, two starts in four years. No. Uh, I actually did colleges. scratch
1: my head on that
2: one, Trey. I did scratch my head on Tom Savage. I have to admit. Oh yeah, he's got a cannon, uh, but a lot of guys have a cannon uh, and don't do well. I mean, the fact that he was on three college teams, he couldn't even, you know, lock into college says something. And what it is, I don't know. Um, I thought even Pagan, the guy from Alabama, defensive in the sixth round, was a little bit of a weak pick. Um, I thought Lewis Nixon in the third round, I liked. Um, but and I like the UCLA guard, who's a super versatile dude and of course Clowney. But you know, I just wonder, Tarvin. I mean, where's this offense going to go next year? I mean, they really didn't add anything on the offensive side. That I think it's going to matter next year. You didn't see the fullback, Jay Prosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Jay, Jay Prosh and uh, the tight end from Iowa are really going to really going to make a huge <laughs> impact next year.
1: Oh now, yeah. look, I love I love Jay Prosh, no doubt about it, but. Did I think he would get drafted? No, I didn't. I mean, you know, I, I honestly didn't think he'd get. I thought he'd pick up maybe with somebody and, and get cut or something. But, hey, congratulations. I mean, he he got on the roster. The fullback is not dead. And I think we have Sonia or Jason, one of them, is in the queue. What's up? Is this Sonia? Yeah,
4: this is me. What's up, guys? I'm kind of a little bit late but, to the party, but I'm here.
1: <laughs> doing good. How are you doing, Sonia?
4: Oh, dude. <laughs> Recovering from this draft and all the wonderful stuff I see on Facebook that just makes me laugh. I'm still trying to figure out where to get my, my um new Cleveland Brown Super Bowl bound shirt. Let me know if you guys you know. Hey, I'm, I'm, get.
1: I'm I'm getting I'm getting a Johnny Cleveland shirt. He's changing the game already.
4: <laughs> uh, actually it was a it was a pretty good draft, but I'm not gonna lie, a couple of picks I was like, Who? Where he come from? <laughs> how
0: you, Sonya, how did y'all to even you. find this dude? <laughs> I have to ask you,
1: Sonia. First of all, what happened with A.J. McCarron?
4: Oh, I knew it was coming. I was trying to avoid it, but no, no, actually I wasn't. Uh, for, Well, from everything that I've read, A.J. just rubbed some owners the same way. And I think what it is, and I actually posted about this yesterday. You saw it. But I, I even said there were there were a few Bama players that should not have declared for the draft this year unless Bama had won their third national championship in a row. Mainly, I think there was a, a little cockiness and arrogance there, you know, that, that maybe A.J. wasn't able to hide. You know, uh, I think he made some – mistakes in, in the in the weeks leading up to the draft, just everything that's out there. I mean, what else can I say? It's already out there, you know. <laughs> but the bottom line is he did go. He just went much lower than yeah. most people expected. And I think, actually, this is a good learning experience for him because, anyway, as I was saying in my post, when I believe those players, a lot of those players should not have declared for the draft, it's because now you've got to face the real world. You have been – you spent four years in a bubble. You spent 4 years in a Nick Saban controlled world. Now you have to step outside of that box and now you've got to deal with the real the real world. <clears throat> and I, I partly think that because of the limits that that Saban puts on the guys and their interaction with the media that maybe AJ didn't develop well enough. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm being honest. That's all I can think of because everything that you see he's a great guy, he's got a great heart, great spirit really cares about helping people, but maybe, you know, being in that saving bubble hurt them more than it helped them.
1: And I think sometimes when you have a you know, you you want to impress, you want to, you, you, you hear all the time that, you know, you're not a first rounder, or, you know, you know people take you for granted. They put you as a game manager, they label you as a game manager. Maybe he came off a little too strong in some of those interviews and and kind of tried to Prove his point too much, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe hey. he, he, he was cocky or something. I don't know.
4: But I tell you what, the one thing that I was glad to see—excuse me, one second. <clears throat> well, something in my throat there. The one thing I was so so glad to see is—and I think most people would agree—the top three SEC uh, quarterbacks that we were looking at to get drafted were Aaron Murray, AJ, and Zach. We all knew Johnny was going to go. That's come on, that's a getter, okay? <laughs> But it was so nice to see Murray and A.J. go back-to-back, and it was so nice to see Zach, you know, his name finally called. So I just want to say congrats to all of these guys. Once you're, in the, you know, once you're, you're pro, then all the college rivalry stuff goes away. I wish you guys all luck. Great job. It was great draft coverage, except towards the end. But um, I think there were a lot of surprises, and a lot of people got exposed. A lot of these so-called experts. I'll definitely say this draft exposed them.
1: Well, Sonia, what do you think about Michael Sam, the way they, the ESPN handled that towards the end? Um, and,
4: and I'm just going to repeat what I said. You know, in our groups, you guys are members of the groups. A lot of people don't know, but if you don't, it's no big deal. As a mother of a son that is gay, I really wish that the focus would be taken so much off their sexuality since that does not define him as a person. That is just a part of who he is. That doesn't define who he is. It's just a part of who he is. And it really, really gets me that the media focuses so much on that. But, but, he opened that door. And once you open that door, you cannot close it. And the fact that he was the one that came out and declared himself, he outed himself, a lot of this coverage, either positive or negative, it's, it's all on him. I'm sorry, but it has to go back to, to the person that started it, and it's all on him. And like I said, my son's gay. <laughs> I've dealt with it. I know how it is. But every situation is not meant to be used as a gay soapbox, not at all. And this was one situation where, I really wish they would have just focused on his skills and the fact that he was drafted instead of going into so deep into his personal life, which has nothing to do with what he does on the field.
1: I mean, this was a, a guy I put in the third round, and I think all of us probably thought. I mean, he was co what is it co uh, defensive player of the year in the SEC, is an All American. So, if you look at his game film and everything, there's no reason he should have been picked in the seventh round.
4: His combine hurt him. Yeah, Jason's here too. His combine, combine
3: hurt, him. hurt him bad.
1: I, mean, I think combines are overrated, honestly. I think it's when we you look do. at film and you see what you see what somebody does in the game film and, and, and how they how they react. Trace had five or six five to six round evaluation and I, I, I'm sorry. He he was better than that. I don't care what their evaluation said. I've watched the guy for a couple years, and, and he's a beast. He does it in the games when they count. He's a, he's a playmaker, and, and because he came out and announced he was gay, I think the NFL really showed their stance on that, Sonia, in a way. I mean, I, I think if if he had never come out, nothing would have been known. He would have been a third-rounder,
4: no doubt about it. And, and I can tell you something now, <clears throat> something that I keep saying this, You can sit here and believe that he is the the first openly gay black or gay player, gay black player, whatever you want to call him in the NFL. Sorry. They are there. You just don't know about it, either because they're not a name or because they keep their personal life personal. But I do agree that getting – when you get so much into the personal life, and and they really went really, really deep into that coverage as far as it's just – it's just now, especially with the whole Aaron Hernandez and – you know, with the black eyes that the NFL has gotten, they're really, really looking at character now. So I can truly understand, you know, from a business standpoint, you want to make sure, you know, you just got, you, it's like, if I'm going to invest in this guy, I don't want to bring somebody that's going to be bringing a lot of drama, a lot of negativity. I need to know he's not going to be distracted by a reality show, a la AJ, you know.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. So a lot
1: well, Sonia, while well, well, I have y'all here, we're going to go off the NFL draft and go to college. I want to get some opinions from y'all. Um, this surprised me. I looked in the news the other day, Saturday, I believe, and Georgia cornerback, he was a freshman last year, Shaq Wiggins, uh, probably the best defensive player on Georgia, just all of a sudden decided he was going to transfer and leave. He talked to Rick about it. Nobody knows where he's going, but... What in the world is going on in Georgia? And we've got a good panel here tonight, and I just want to know what's going on in Georgia because this really hurts this team. You know, you lose Aaron Murray, you lose some key players off the defense, you had a couple of other transfers, and now this, Sonya. What's going on in Athens?
4: To tell you the truth, Tarvin, that's a good question, and I think everybody's wondering what the heck is going on down there. There's something that that's got to be going on in that locker room that these boys know or that they see coming down, the tr- you know, it's kind of like, uh, when what's his name, um, Del Rio, you know, when he transferred from Bama, because he saw, okay, I'm not, hey, I'm not going to be playing, I'm not going to start, look at this right here, you know, look at, look at these moves being made. So I don't know if it's partially that, or if there is just, at this point, a total loss of lack of leadership on the team and from the coaching staff. And that's always been the key problem is the lack of leadership on the team.
1: Trey, if you're a Georgia fan, you, you you really have to be concerned right now. You're losing one of your best defensive players. He didn't get kicked off the team. He didn't get in trouble. He's just fighting. He doesn't want to be at Georgia anymore. And this is one of your uh, most coveted recruits from uh, 2012, I believe. What are your thoughts on Georgia right now?
2: Well, I'd like to know what's going on. I mean, I – You know, one of those things is you kind of see it and you're like, well, that's a head-scratcher. But, you know, at times, sometimes you make too much of it. I mean, Kevin Ware, for instance, when he left Louisville, was a head-scratcher for me as well. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, he tells a story of why he left. So I don't know, man. I mean, who who knows? Maybe he just has some personal issues. Maybe his girlfriend's at a different college. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to make too much of it until I see it. But it definitely made me think exactly what you're saying is, is, what's going on in Georgia? Well, if it just happened one time and, and no issues and this was a one-time
1: thing, this seems like this off-season, Sonia, I mean, there's been other things going on, players leaving. And if you look at recruiting, Georgia loses. The top players in Georgia, they don't go to Georgia. That's a red flag right there.
4: Yeah, something <clears throat> something definitely, there, there's a change going on down there. At first, I'm not going to lie, it seemed like it was for the better. But now <sighs> – I'm kind of like Trey, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of on the fence. It's kind of like, well, kids leave every day, you know, <laughs> and, and for, for all the reasons he listed and many more. But, at the, you know, on the other side, it's kind of like, but dang, y'all really, I mean, y'all lost a heck of a lot last year. You really didn't bring too much to the table this year. Like, what's going on? You know, where are you going to pull from? I'm hoping – Really hoping because I do live in in, in Atlanta and UGA. As much as I rag on my my dog friends, you know, <laughs> as long as they're not playing Bama or giving us any issues, I wish them the best. But I really think they need to get it together. Or I'm sorry, Rick's going to be gone. They're not going to stand for too much more. And, mm. and Atlanta fans, all teams, all Atlanta team fans are getting fed up. Georgia needs a
0: change.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, guys, you know, I'm, I need to come back and correct what I said a couple of weeks ago, and Trey remembers this with Charlie Strong coming out in the media and said that Texas wouldn't be in the championship this year. And then you, you I had a problem with that. I didn't like that attitude, you know, coming from a coach. But if you look at the NFL draft this year, first time since 1937, Trey, that Texas – did not have anyone drafted. So maybe Charlie Strong's being honest, more honest than than maybe I was giving him credit for, maybe the talent at Texas. And I want to talk about that before we go real quick. This is the last thing we'll talk about. But what, what, what's Charlie Strong telling tell the truth, actually? Well, who's first? Because I'll definitely speak on this Trey. one. <laughs> go ahead, Trey.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think exactly what we all saw happen in the draft. I think Charlie Strong was able to evaluate and if you talk, I mean, remember, t- several players left immediately after he got there. And I think it's because he got there and he thought, uh, and he did a talent evaluation, and, and we saw um, that, that there wasn't the talent there. And I think Charlie Strong was like, i got to clean house. I've got to get rid of the this sort of, this program, you know, sort of stagnated um, through Mac Brown because we don't have the talent that we should have. I mean, look at all the people drafted out of Texas, uh, and they weren't, none of them were from Texas. <laughs> I mean, You know, Princeton got a guy drafted. So, you know, that should tell you something about the talent level at Texas. Tanya, is it the the missing the talent, or is it not
1: developing those guys once you get them in there?
4: It's a little bit of both. And I'm going to tell you, I had so much respect for Strong when he came out and said that because, to me, that showed he meant business. He was not playing to the fan base. He was being realistic, and he was setting realistic expectations. You know, he didn't want people thinking, okay, just because I'm here, don't think that we're just going to automatically, you know, be this 12-in-1 team and, and just, you know, go all the way. No, it's going to take some time. He did the same thing that Bush Jones did when he went to, to uh, Tennessee, the same thing Nick Saban did when he came in. He, he's doing what a lot of coaches who come into teams that are – You know, on the downside, he comes in and he's setting realistic expectations. I think the biggest reason that he got so much press is because of the fact that it is Texas, you know, and that he is coming behind, you know, a legend such as Mac. But this also should show just how far Mac had deteriorated. And I hate to say that. I really do. It, It hurts me to say that because this man is a legendary coach. He is a, you know, he's going to go down in history as is, is a great coach. But when you do not have one, not one player from the University of Texas, it was some school, and I swear to God, the guy that got, got drafted in like the sixth round, some school that we were like, is that a school?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah, you know, it's like the Rye University. And so to have Texas, not to have anyone drafted, it just shows how far Mack had fallen. And it's i well,
0: and,
1: and, and, Sonny, you see why he did at Louisville. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. whole entire draft was Louisville players. I mean, the, he developed, mm-hmm. Charlie Strong's developed players, and, and Jonathan, you know, Charlie Strong, I forgot she was even there for a second. We have so many people. Oh, <laughs> Charlie Strong did a great job at Louisville, and when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'll admit it. Maybe I was a little harsh on Charlie Strong For just being honest saying Look the cupboard's empty here You don't realize what you have fans out there And maybe I took it the wrong way It just hit me the the wrong way that day But Charlie Strong could be on to something But Texas can get used to, to Having draft picks once Charlie Strong Gets in there after a couple of years And starts laying the foundation It, it looks like Texas has to be rebuilt Well no,
0: and
3: I, I have a I have a friend who's close with the University of Texas, and he said it's amazing what is being done within the program that nobody is hearing about. And he said one of the big things, and one of the reasons why you saw players leave and there's kind of been a little bit of, there's it, going to be some growing pains between Charlie and the coaches, and the players, is he, said, he told all the players, look, unless you are a senior, I, you are not allowed to live off campus. And that was a big thing when Mac Brown was all, if you were a freshman, you were allowed to live off You know, he, he would allow you to live off campus if the NCAA allowed you, which we all know they don't. But, you know, if you were rich a freshman all the way to being, you know, a senior, you were allowed off campus. Well, now you have Charlie Strong coming in saying, no, only seniors are only ones I trust. And at the same time, Charlie needs time. He's going to lead this program through. He's going to get all the old recruits out. And and, what, and weed his end. He's got to. Because he knows there's been no development going on. We all know this. We've all seen this. The fact that we saw a kid from Pittsburgh State in Kansas, a kid from Canada, a kid who played football in Canada, played golf in Canada, got drafted. And Jackson Jeffcoat, probably the best prospect coming out of Texas, didn't get drafted. I mean, that says a lot about the lack of development that was going on in that program, unfortunately. Oh. And Texas is going to need time to rebuild.
1: And I saw it at Auburn firsthand when Chizik, what he did, and, and that entire staff really not developing players, getting them ready. It, it, it's all about coaching in college. You have to have some talent, but you also have to develop them every year. They have to get better. But, yeah, I was yeah. wrong a little bit, I guess, about Charlie Strong. I, I have to admit, you know, I was wrong.
4: Well, Tarvin, the good thing about you is that you always admit if you're wrong and I was just going to piggyback and, and say, uh, or uh, off of what Jonathan was saying, the fans have got to be patient. You have got to give the man at least three years. Okay, don't start screaming when you don't win the first season, you don't win the second season, and you start screaming for the man's head. Give him time.
3: But the problem it is, not take, they're only going to give him two.
2: You know, it's like two.
4: Texas. Texas is not like freaking Arky, okay? <laughs> I mean, no offense to Arky fans, but I'm just saying. You've you got people who are dying to go to Texas, okay? So we got the wild game going on in the background. As you, as you can tell, the wild just scored. But, <laughs> but they've, <laughs> they've got to give him time. They've got to just be patient and realize that he's really got to start from scratch. You know, it's not like in um, uh, Malzahn's place, he came in – yeah, you know, but he had he had a familiarity. You know, he was there before. Charlie doesn't have that to fall back on, so they've got to give him time. But I, I give it some. I'll say Texas is going to be back. They'll be back.
1: Yeah, I think they will. And, and guys, I'm going to have to cut it tonight right now. But thank you all for joining us. It's been a fun, great show. Wednesday night we'll be back at 8:30 p.m. Eastern to to talk more about to finish up the draft talk, talk some college football at that time of year where we're just going to start talking football again. So thanks, everybody, for joining us Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Y'all have a great night. Thanks, guys.